And welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. We, this is our second time trying to do this. So Take good two. morning to all of those who are, are joining us and listening. Thank you for joining and listening. We have some great, great material for you that has been coming out. Um, if you were able to gather online with Pastor Rudat and um, Pastor Enderly last night, they had a wonderful opportunity to begin a new adventure on an online Bible study that they're hosting through Facebook. And it was on the book of Jonah, right? Book of Jonah, yeah. Our next one is going to be uh, September 14th at 8 p.m. It's on Wednesday nights. We just picked Wednesday night just because that worked for the both of us. But this is a, a thing that uh, a movement, a uh, an idea that I hope grows, and I hope that we utilize more of the area pastors such as Pastor Harley uh, from St. John and Maribel. So thank you very much for yeah. for agreeing to do that in advance. And yes, I did ask him before that, before twisting his arm here online <laughs> with a video. So, so. the, the so I, I think one of the things that, that, that we kind of strive for, and we're going to get into the show today and uh, have a good opportunity to talk about Revelation, because I know you're all excited to do that. But one of the things in the show uh, or, or with uh, Casting Nets that uh, I think – is been our intent is that we wanted to really make this not just about you, not just about me, but really that we expand this whole thing out. And, and this is a, an opportunity and a place where a lot of pastors can come and they might not be equipped to put content out, but we can facilitate, get content out for them. Um, so that, that maybe other voices can be heard and that, and that we are able to preach the gospel and, and, and share our living faith, um, with, with those who need to hear it. So as we, we kind of, uh, continue our way through this, um, we, we kind of, uh, are going to be trying a lot of new things, a lot of different things. We're going to be, um, looking at a lot of different ways to reach out with the gospel message. And one of those ways is to continue to do online Bible studies. Um, and also maybe getting in like we are today on looking at books of the Bible. Yeah, it's really, it, it, the online Bible study is going to be a little bit slower pace where we have to take breaks to see if anybody has any questions. For the podcast, we're, it's a conversation between two pastors. And so it's going it, to, we're going to keep moving. Um, as we're talking, you can put your comments in. We welcome your comments as we're doing this live. Um, but we're not going to sit here and go, well, let's wait a couple minutes for right. someone to, to speak right. or, or to say something. So, um, with that being said, this is a podcast of two pastors uh, sharing their thoughts. We're having a conversation. Part of the the appeal for me for doing a podcast like this is to have a conversation with another pastor, uh, to have my mind changed, because uh, no way do I claim that I know everything. And uh, some uh, some of us here might claim that they know everything, but I certainly Not don't. everything, just <laughs> most things. So uh, anyway. I mean, I don't know exactly all the best times to plant certain items in the fields but i mean so uh, I it's learn. meant yeah it's meant to be a, <laughs> a continuing of a conversation or a beginning of a conversation between two pastors where we are not always sharing um our final thoughts on something but also but we are most definitely sharing uh the bible's thoughts and are being willing to be corrected so if you hear something that we say and you say that's not in the bible uh we welcome you to talk to us in person or you can talk to us on an email, castingnetspod at gmail.com, or you can t- contact us on Facebook. We have a, we have actually a listener, an avid listener who, who has, has said that he would love to join us. That would be awesome. On our show. And we'd have to have, we'd have to have a conversation that he knew 
a lot about or was very impassionate about. So, and I know this listener. And so pretty much if we talked about parenting, if we talked about government, if we talked about, uh, um, pretty much any topic, I think he would be a, a good addition. Yeah. Here at Casting Nets, we're meant to, we're trying to spread the net wide so that more people can hear about gos- the, the gospel message of Jesus. So if there's something you don't like, are offended by we encourage you to reach out to us so that we can have a continue a conversation because maybe we are wrong we're being willing to be corrected uh, based on the scriptures we hold ourselves to the scriptures and the lutheran confessions so hold us to that uh, we we encourage that because we are we're going to grow uh if we do that as well iron will sharpen iron if on the other hand uh you really like uh, what we're saying we encourage you to help spread the word about it you can share it with your friends you can give us a good review we don't really, um, personally, my head is way too big. So don't give me a five star review or anything like that. Give me just a four star review uh, or less. You can give me three stars. That's all right. Uh, just the more reviews and the more likes, shares and uh, subscriptions that we get, wh- whether you're watching this on YouTube, the better this can reach, this net can reach other people as well. So, um, as we talk about, uh, our book of Revelation today, just remember today, um, probably more so than any time in this conversation of the book of Revelation, we might be getting into something that people will find controversial. Um, <clears throat> this is the conversation. Realize this is the conversation. Um, engage with it, but please try to do so in a nice way. So if you wanted to write comments on anything that we are going to be talking about today, uh, please keep the comments uh, appropriate. Because like I said, this this out of all the days I think is going to be one of the most controversial possibly right yeah so let's uh go at it in god's word and and we we also promise to be a little bit more polite maybe 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 (laughs) we're getting will's best today we're getting my best as well i gave my best i had confirmation class (laughs) (laughs) without further ado let's go on to the topic So the topic for today is uh, the seven visions. So we're going through the seven visions, seven truths of the book of Revelation, and our topic today takes us all the way back. We're gonna we're gonna rewind and head back the timeline starting from um, the birth of Christ and until the end of time with this. But then, but this time we're looking at something different. Uh, the other visions that we've looked at when we looked at the timeline of history from uh, the time of Christ to the end, to the time he comes again. Uh, deals with the what, like what's going to happen. And this time is really going to focus in on the why. Why is all of this bad stuff happening? Yeah. The, the evil players, the, 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 this is like the, uh, that Disney movie where it's all about the bad guy or, or like Wicked, where Wicked is a, a, a show about the, the evil witch of the West instead of Dorothy. Well, I, I would even say, um, that what we're going to be dealing with goes, <clears throat> I mean, it, 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 it highlights and focuses on the, of course, the birth of Christ, but it, it even, even goes further back. You know, we, we go to the moments right after creation and, and we, we kind of start fast forwarding our way through all of the time in which we, we live now and the time in which, uh, God is, is at work and, and we're going to see Satan at work within the world. So I, I think one of those things is, as long as we understand that as we approach this, um, 
this section of of Revelation, out of all the sections of Revelation, start introducing real heavy metaphor. Um, I mean, really, it's almost like a fantasy. It, it, it's it's like you're you're you've been plopped down into the Lord of the Rings, and you're you know you you kind of feel like Frodo, <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to have a smog <laughs> who's sleeping on the treasure. Um, but I mean, and and that's sorry, that was a that, that was, was a you Tolkien mixed your metaphors. It was I did not. Isn't smog in uh, the? Isn't that the Hobbit? That's rather? the Hobbit. You're right. So that would be Bilbo instead of Frodo. Yeah. Um, uh, you're you're yeah, I did, but it's the Lord. Of the Rings, it's Tolkien. This is um, this is very fantasy type um, imagery, and, and I think in and if you go back into Tolkien literature, you kind of see where he drew some of these images from this section of scripture. Um, but that being said, I, I realize what we are going to be talking about, how we're going to be explaining this, is we're 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 going backwards into the scriptures. And we're saying, okay, so here's what God says for sure. This is what this is this is the definitive. And then we put it up against the metaphor. And we say, okay, what do we see? You know, um what what is the what is what is the truth being brought out of that? That's an excellent point because we have to let the clear passages of the Bible uh interpret when it gets really shall we say wild, a really colorful yeah. metaphor. Let the clear passages of scripture identify what we're seeing rather than trying to find something new in the picture that isn't in the rest of the clear passages of scripture. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, let's jump on in because um, I'm excited to talk about some dragons. Chapter 12, one to six. Here we go. A great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars in her hand. She was pregnant, and she cried out in pain and agony as she gave birth. Another sign also appeared in the sky. There was a huge red dragon that had seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars in the sky and threw them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that he could devour the child as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will shepherd all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was snapped up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she was placed. She has a place prepared by God in order that she might be there, be fed there for 1260 days. Yeah. So I think just so we get it out of the way, um, the 1260 days, uh, reminiscent of the 42 months, you know, three and a half years, uh, just, um, the idea take from it, the measurement of time, there's a measured time. Um, it's not going to be forever. It's not going to be everlasting. This is, uh, uh, a measured time that God is going to have such things happen. And he's, he, he jumps right on in, right? The vision, the, the vision in 12 is going to play a little bit of forward and back, forward and back. So we, we, we jump forward to the middle of the tail and then we're going to jump back starting in verse seven to the end, to the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of, of the, the tail. Um, but, but we, we are introduced to the main villain of the story. Uh, and so we come back to the why, right? Um, which is the, the entire focus of, of what 12, 13, 14 and 15 really is. Um, this is the why. Why are things coming to an end? Why are things happening the way that they're happening? And why is, why are God's people in need of, 
um, confidence and security and encouragement. Um, and the reason is, here's the main villain of the story. It is a, a dragon, one of oh. great power. I'm glad you said dragon because I thought you were going to say woman and I'll be like, oh, come on. No, <laughs> it's, it's, my work cut out for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is, it is a dragon. Um, it is, you yep. know, it's the beautiful part about it is, you know, the illusion and the, the illustration you have, the, the serpent, right? Uh, the great dragon going back to the garden. Um, you're going to have that illustration there. Um, the promise made to the woman, um, uh, and how the woman carries that promise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, throughout the scripture, we have the church being equated to the bride of Christ. Um, so, so really the, the, the church is always listed as a woman, um, kind of depicted as a woman who is dressed and adorned, uh, for, for, um, her, her groom. Um, and so you get this, this beautiful flavor of promise being wrapped up into this imagery. You get this beautiful flavor of care being wrapped up uh, in this imagery. And, and also this, this truth that I think remains in the world that we, we downplay, which is in comparison to the forces allied against us, we're weak on our own. Yeah. Yeah. You think of it. Thank you very much for the woman being identified as the Old Testament church the, with the 12 uh, stars. That's kind of our, the biggest, and like you said, uh, the biggest indicator that it's the Old Testament church and not Mary because of the fact that she, she remains and the, the devil, the dragon keeps attacking her throughout that uh, period of time. Yeah, and she carries the, and, and the Old Testament church carried the promise. I mean, was pregnant with the promise of the Messiah. Yes. Um, you know, throughout the time of the Old Testament, you have the faithful that God, that God called always giving the promise. This is coming. This is coming. This is coming. And, and then when we have in the New Testament, when the time had fully come, sure. I mean, it was time for the, to give birth to the son. Um, and made flesh and, and here he is. Um, and I think you have that just beautiful, it's an image, it's a metaphor. I get it. Yeah. But it's, it's, it is so beautiful when you start looking throughout the scriptures and seeing how God, uh, through the spirit calls his church and what does he refer to this church as and, and the imagery he uses in the old Testament of his church, which is a, a bride. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you're going back to Genesis and you're seeing, okay, it was a serpent who deceived the woman, and you're thinking, hmm, was that serpent had legs? Was it a dragon? Could have been. <laughs> Revelation kind of. There, yeah, there's other <laughs> indications that tells us that this is the the devil, other than the fact that um, John refers to him that way. But uh, in just in his description, you know, he sweeps a third of the stars out of the skies. We think of how the devil led a, a contingent of angels. Uh, um, away from God. Um, he stood in front of the woman to devour her child. As soon as it was born, we could think of, of, of the devil manipulating things behind the scene with Herod, for example, two years after Jesus was born, uh, trying to make sure that this child would die. So it's, it's just from his description, we can see that this is the devil. The child is Christ. Uh, ruling, he will shepherd all nations with an iron rod in verse 5. That's reminiscent of Psalm 2, verse 9, where it's talking about the Messiah in terms of ruling with an, an iron scepter as well. I, I, I think that before we, we move on, and I, we do want to move on because, like I said, we're going to go back in time and we're going to the very beginning and then going to move forward again. <clears throat> Just how awesome, um, you know, the, her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. 
Um, oftentimes in scripture, you know, Jesus referred to himself as the son of man, the son of man, the son of man. Now, is he the son of God? Absolutely. He is the son of God. He, he admits that he, right. he comes out and says that, but he always refers to himself as the son of man. Um, and how often, you know, do you see the escalation within his ministry of, of Satan's attacks against him, right? You see this escalation and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then, then you think you, you, you almost see the, the pinnacle of it where Satan won the cross. That's like, you, you think Satan wins. Um, and, and you have that, this beautiful term coined again by Tolkien, a you catastrophe, <laughs> which, which a really big word, um, you in Latin has that, the idea of good. And then catastrophe, which is bad. And, and you have this really weird thing that happens that becomes the foundation of every good story, which is when you think everything is done and the hero has lost. And then all of a sudden this great thing happens. And you have that here, right? In that very beginning, you know, the, this, this, this dragon is pursuing the, the, the woman. You think that the woman is, is done and finally gone and, 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 and her, her child who's going to be the ruler of all things and, and bring everything into his control and his power. All of a sudden is as if he dies and he's snatched up. Um, but yet what is he doing? He's ruling all things. Um, and, and so you have the resurrection encapsulated in this. You have the ascension encapsulated in this. You have the promise of, I'm going to prepare a place for you and where I go, I'm going to come and take you to be with me. You have encapsulated in this just the promise of I am coming back. Um, and when I come back, I'll be upon the clouds and, and all will see me. Um, yes. And also Jesus telling his disciples that after I leave, you know, savage wolves will come among you where he is, he is, he's leaving the church vulnerable, which is what exactly what John talks about is that he is the, here she's in the wilderness. She is, uh, um, She's protected by God. She's provided for by God, but she is also vulnerable to yeah. the dragon. It's not. It's not a being in the wilderness is not the best place. It's not being in the Hilton, um, it, it, but you're taken care of. Um, let's let's hit seven. Let's let's do that. All right. So uh, verses. Let's see, seven to twelve. Let's read that. Let's go back in time. There was also a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. The dragon fought back along with his angels, but he was not strong enough. There was no longer a place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, the one called the devil and Satan, the one who leads the whole inhabited earth astray. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ, because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, the one who accuses them before our God day and night, they conquered him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. They did not love, love their lives in the face of death. For this reason rejoice, you heavens, and those who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and to the sea, for the devil has gone down to you. He is full of rage because he knows that his time is short. You know, I, I love this. Um, this is some beautiful, beautiful stuff. And, and, and here's what I love the most about it. Every now and then in scripture, you get a glimpse of, of conversations that happen in the heavenly realms. And, um, Job, the beginning of Job, you get the glimpse of, of Satan having to come and ask for permission to do certain things before the, the Lord. Here, you get a glimpse of what we teach. And this is a really deep concept, but it's, it's a beautiful concept is that from all eternity, Christ has won the victory for you. 
<laughs> and we're like, well, where does that ever come from? It comes from here. Be, be, the world has just been created. Everything that was created is perfect. And now there's this battle in heaven. And, and, you ha- and Christ doesn't even take the field. Christ doesn't even take the field. It's it's the the, the angels that fight for him. That the the good angels that are preserved in glory. They overpower anything that that Satan and the and his evil uh, angels could ever do. And then when they give glory to God in the heavens, they say that those beautiful things because of the blood of the Lamb. But wait a second, he hasn't died yet. But did he? From all eternity, that's that's it's yes in Christ, right? So from all eternity, the plan is, the, the purpose is Christ has died for and has won. And, and this is the beautiful part about it, right? Yeah, dear listeners, remember the time when the disciples uh, were sent out by Jesus to proclaim to the villages the gospel message, and they came back and they said, even the demons submit to us in our name. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like, like, like lightning. lightning. So yeah. Jesus is also is, 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 is saying what John says. Yeah, the whole picture of the the victory that is always found in Christ over the devil, and and the point of the victory here is to remind us of how the devil views that victory and why does he do the things that he do, does? Why is he still why is he still aggravating the Christian church here on earth? Why is he still so motivated? Why is he so against God? And it tells us exactly verse twelve. He's full of rage because he knows that his time is short. He can't. It's, it's an anger that can never be satisfied. Yeah, and and the beauty, and and this is one of those things where where, um, like I said, we're going back in time and we're looking we're looking at the creation, and right after the creation, right after the fall, or right after the fall of the angels, be probably before the fall of man, <clears throat> and yet we still have the blood of Christ reigning. Um, this is one of those hard hard concepts where we look at time and say time is for us; it's not for God. Um, and so in time did Christ come and die and, and was he the lamb, uh, who takes away the sin of the world as, as, uh, John the Baptist says, yes. Um, now is he that for all eternity? Yes. <laughs> and, and, and by his blood are we healed? Yes. Um, and so Adam and Eve, when they fell into sin, uh, and they were given the gospel in Genesis chapter three, um, was it through the blood of the lamb that was reigning victorious over the serpent? Yes. Um, and later on, when, when Abel gave a better offering, was it because of the blood of the lamb that his, his offering was accepted? Yes. Um, was going through, throughout all history, was Noah, uh, and, and his family saved, uh, upon the ark from, from the sin of the world on that, the unrighteousness that had happened? Was that because of the blood of the lamb? Yes. Um, but Jesus hadn't come yet. What does that mean? That means that that just because it happens in time in a linear fashion for us doesn't mean that that is not how or that's how it is in heaven. Heaven is outside of this, and so it's a perpetual now for God. And so, so when God promises, it's yes in Christ. When when God says, it, "Let it be," it is, even though in time it might not be now. It already is, and and so it stands. Um, and so, what is the comfort you take? Victory. And yet you hear the woe, right, in the end. You, you, you hear the woe of what's going to start for, for God's creation, which is, I think, the hardest part for us to deal with, is because now the world that God created has to deal for a time with the anger of the one who wants to see nothing but, but God's people suffer. 
Yeah, it, it is a, it just breaks your head when you try to get outside of time like that, like you did. Cause that's how the scriptures talk about things in, in terms of the God is outside of time. The way that he operates is outside of time. And then for us to, to, to get there without being fatalistic and say, well, God's predestined everything, um, to be a certain way. And then you got to back off from that. Cause it's like, just because God knew what was going to happen, just because God exists outside of time, doesn't mean that he is willing all of these bad things to happen. Doesn't mean that he's willing that the devil is coming on, onto well, the scene. Like, yeah. it's not like God is saying, well, I need, I need a bad guy to the story. How can I find a bad guy <laughs> to the well, story? It, How can I find a villain? Cause this story isn't interesting without a villain. So but, it's just all of those. It's not that God is a storyteller. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, but, but I think, I think you, you hit this point on the head, which is, which is near Eastern mythology and, and near eastern religion which is good can to good cannot exist without an evil and and so you have this idea of the yin and the yang that comes in because they all religions in the world look at this and say there has to for for good there has to be something that good reflects off of that shows that it's good and and in christian theology we realize no there's just there's good and anything that's not good is bad <laughs> And and so how do we know what bad is? Because it's not good. <laughs> I, I don't need to know bad to know what good is. But that was the great lie, right? Yeah, the, the, that the it's lie. actually something worthwhile <clears throat> to spend our energy into or that it has something to contribute to society, especially in the Near Eastern religions yeah. where good has – it's it's evil, but it has something good to bring – like we need this. You, yeah, you need to know this so that you knew what you had and that you can go back to this and, and it'd be better. It, but that's the great lie of of – of Satan, Satan when he when he falls and he is expressing his rage against God's people and God's church, the first thing he says is, and he convinces them, you will be like God. And he says, knowing good and evil. And the idea there in Genesis is that you will have an you'll have an intimate connection of what is evil. They already knew in their head what evil is. It's not what God said. That's evil. <laughs> Don't do it. But but there's this intimate connection which which starts this whole idea in life that we have to know the bad before we can know the good. In fact, we write books about it. Know your enemy, like as if you have to know your enemy before you can say they're my enemy. No, yeah, that, that's not true. I don't have to walk a mile in someone else's shoes to be able to tell, man, their life sucks, or they, they did something wrong. I don't I don't have to experience alcoholism to be able to talk to somebody who's struggling with alcoholism. I don't have to experience uh, pornography to talk with somebody who struggles with pornography. I, I, I know there's something right and wrong in those things. I, 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 know, I know that those things can grab you and I know that those things can harm you. And so I don't have to have that intimate knowledge of it. Um, and, and so you have this battle now waging on the earth and, and the, 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 the angels in heaven are saying, "Woe to you!" Because it, it's not—it's not going to be great. Um, yeah, we're on the winning side. We're on the winning side, but it's still not going to be great. <laughs> I mean, but the people in creation—it's—it's it's not a good thing. Yeah, which is what's going to happen next? Because the the dragon is going to attack the church, the woman, and uh, let's read into that. And in, starting at verse thirteen of chapter twelve. Before we do that, I just want to say, this is really good coffee, and I didn't have to drink bad coffee. This show no, brought to you by that this was good coffee. Good coffee. <laughs> good conversation is fueled by good coffee. Good coffee. <laughs> Should we go back into that rant again? <laughs> chapter thir- uh, chapter twelve, starting at verse thirteen. When the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. 
two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she might fly to her place in the wilderness where she is to be fed for a time, times and half a time, away from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a river after the woman in order to carry her away in the flowing water. But the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river which the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. The dragon was angry about what had happened to the woman, and he went away to make war against the rest of her children, those who keep the commandments of God and who hold on to the testimony about Jesus. And he stood on the shore of the sea. Dun, dun, dun. So you got some, you got some, um, I think, you got some rescuing going on, but I think you got some things going on here that, that we should not take quite literally and, and that we should, we should just say, um, you got some really beautiful metaphor to help carry along the story. Um, you're in a wasteland, and so that idea of 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 rushing waters is really the idea of a wadi, um, and that's that happened a lot in in the Middle East, in yeah. the Middle East, where you know you'd have rains that would come once or twice a year, and when it rained, the water was so the ground was so parched that that it would just pool in these areas, and you'd have these these torrential. Um, Torrents of water that would come down these certain areas that were called wadis. There were there were riverbeds, essentially that had dried up, and then they would fill up again with water, and they would run really fast. And and I think you get this image that comes into your head that that this is this isn't a continual thing. This is not as if like waters are coming down. I mean, maybe your thoughts were this is flood language. No, no I, yeah. this isn't flood language. Satan didn't do fl- the flood. God did flood. Um, this is this is that cycle of. Things are going to happen, and it releases, and then it happens, and it releases. But it's it's, it's chasing you. You're in the middle of this wilderness. Yeah, uh, it's the picture of. I think it's more of a picture of deliverance than the devil's strategy. So, like he's right. not. So you can see the the wings of the eagle carrying the church uh, away, or uh, there's this, these. The devil has this big, massive plan that he's going to wipe out Christianity from, with some sort of affliction or false doctrine, maybe even, and and God stops it. Uh, from overwhelming the church and flooding sure. out the church with the, like the wadi, the, the wadi is spelled W A D I, the wadi waters just coming through and just the flash flood and just wiping her out. Um, so, but it's not it, constant. I, I think yeah. that's the point. It's not, I mean, I, I think of you know Josiah, right? And he found the scriptures in the temple again, and and all of a sudden it's there. It's like you know, there's these these moments that God, where you think all is lost, and and God preserves this remnant. And and it's not completely gone. Um, it, yeah, exactly. I was thinking of uh, you know the early Christian church in Constantine, um, where it seemed like the Roman Empire was going to. Well, I'm sorry, that's a that's a bad analogy. Uh, you think of Arianism or false doctrines, where it just it just seems like Arianism was a ancient heresy that it seemed like uh, it was going to overtake the church. That Jesus was no longer going to be God, but now a created being, and now all of a sudden comes uh, the Council of Nicaea, and it the, the ship writes itself. Sure. Um, things sure. like that, where well, I mean, false if, doctrine or false yeah. false teachings was permeating the church. Um, Constantine is actually, I'm going to use that one coming up, but anyway. But, but I, think, I, think, I think you can see this over in Europe. You can see it starting to happen in the United States, right? You, you see this, this flood of anti-Christian rhetoric anti-christian belief the idea that that anybody who believes in the in the laws of the lord anybody who believes in in christ they are they are a bigot they are um 
racist, they are unloving, intolerant, however you want to say it. <clears throat> and and what happens is, just like you had in Europe, you had this whole huge switch, right? And you go over to Europe and you see all these churches, beautiful churches, standing empty, and they're just like they're like museums now for for times long past. And and you say to yourself, why did that happen? And it happened because. There's these these torrents that come, and it seems like they wipe out God's people. But then you take a step back and you, you start looking at the at the churches um, that we are supporting over there, and you're like, no, nope, there's a group there. It's not yep. huge, but there's a group there, yep. and there's a group there, and there's a group there, and 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 Christendom is still there, and and we're seeing that here in in the United States. You know, you you have um, um, maybe this idea that that. Um, Flannery O'Connell, um, if I remember, I think it was her who said um, that United States is Christ haunted, and this was many many years ago, um, where she wrote that that the United States is Christ haunted. We started out as a Christian nation, and then all of a sudden it's like these forces overran us, and and now Christ is gone from it. Although we have the visages of Christ, <laughs> but that doesn't mean Christ is gone. I'm a firm believer that the Lutheran Church is the the best kept secret. <laughs> um, Christ is still there, um, and 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 yet you're living in a world that they don't want to talk about it. Um, before we move on, I did want to just reference the fact that in our world mission fields, we have you know many instances of demon possession still being case, and I can really see that connection with the flood or um, the church being rescued by the eagles, where you would think. Here in America, we don't have maybe demon possession isn't to the forefront. Uh, I think in, it still exists. Society, it still exists, but it's not uh, something that in our culture or we don't sit around the coffee table and talk about people being demon possessed. But in countries like such as Africa, that is a real thing. Madagascar, uh, I'm sorry, continents such as Africa or uh, Madagascar, demon possession is still a thing, and the devil is very on in a very active way and his minions are in an active way trying to lead God's people astray and even in those situations you would think all is lost demon possessions you think exorcist uh type stuff in real life that everything is is lost we have the book of revelation reminding us that God is still preserving his church through his means of grace he is still overcoming uh the enemy satan and his and his allies in a very real way in um, and very real people's lives. Well, you know, I'm I'm just going to throw this out since you opened the door, and and it was a good it's it's a good segue. <clears throat> um, you know, we 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 think that 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 the devil's bag of tricks is is strictly and solely focused on spiritual matters, and and I think what we're going to find out coming into verse or chapter thirteen is that. Yes, he does, he does do a lot of spiritual things and, and our, our, our battle is with spiritual forces. Um, but that's not the only thing in his bag of tricks. Um, and that there are times and in certain times and in certain places and in certain, certain ways, the, what does the Lord do? He, he, or what does uh, Satan do? He says, I'm not going to attack them this way. I'm going to use this tool, this, this trick I'm going to pull out and attack them. That way, yeah, he's got some friends. He does have some friends. He's and, got two friends. Yeah, and 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 I think interestingly enough, and maybe maybe we should read it first, but I'm going to throw it out there. He doesn't create these friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that was beautiful about uh, when I was reading that, and John's like, "Oh, that's a really neat, real really neat connection there." Okay, uh, chapter thirteen, uh, verses one to ten. 
the beast from the sea. I saw a beast rising out of the sea. He had ten horns with ten crowns on his horns and seven heads with the blasphemous names on his heads. The beast that I saw was like a leopard and his feet were like those of a bear and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power, his throne, and great authority. One of the heads seemed to have been fatally wounded, but his fatal wound was healed. And the whole world that followed the beast was amazed. They worshipped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. They worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast and who can go to war against him? The beast was also given a mouth that spoke arrogant and blasphemous things. He was given authority to do these things for 42 months. The first beast opened his mouth to speak blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name, his dwelling, and those who dwell in heaven. He was also given permission to wage war against the saints and to overcome them, as well as authority over every tribe and people and language and nation. All those who make their home on the earth will worship the beast, those whose names have not been written from the beginning of the world in the book of life, which belonged to the lamb that was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be imprisoned, he is going to be imprisoned. If anyone is going to be killed with a sword, he is going to be killed with a sword. Here, patient endurance and confidence are needed by the saints. Yeah. So uh, here's where I would go with this, and and we can just I'll start the conversation. Um, this beast that comes from the sea is is not created by by the dragon. He's not created by Satan. Satan can't create. God creates. Um, this beast is, is homegrown. <laughs> this, this beast is, is coming from men. Um, or from God, the one who created the sea. Well, <clears throat> yes, but, but here's what I'm saying is this beast is part of a created order, but it, but this is, it, it, this is, this is the sinful nature. This is the beast express, the, the, this beast that comes from the sea is an expression of the sinful nature. This is, uh, um, um, later we're going to tell this is government. So we're not, we're not, we're not surprising anybody. Um, these are the governments of the world. And, and, and what I want to say is, is the government of the world something that God ordains and gives power to? Yes. For what reason? For order and for the preservation of external peace so that the gospel may prosper. Now, within that, it becomes the beast when sinful nature takes hold of it. And, and skews it and uses those things for evil intent. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what this is becoming. And then what does it, what does Satan do? He globs onto that and uses it to further his own agenda. So this is, this is one of the things, you know, I, I just, it drives me completely bonkers. And, and maybe this is a side, a side thing. When people say, oh, the devil made me do it, he didn't. Your sinful nature made you do it. Now, that doesn't mean the devil might not use it <laughs> or might not push you further in down that road or say, good on you. I'm going to give you more uh, things to play with so you can ruin other people's lives further. But but you, the devil does. The devil didn't cause this beast. He links with the beast. Yeah. Yeah. And let's just take a step back and I and say, why do we say this beast is the government? Uh, we look at it, the description of that beast mirrors that of the description that God gives of the beasts in Daniel. And in Daniel, it tells us and identifies these beasts in Daniel are the governments of the world, Daniel 7 and so on. So when John uses the description of the leopard and bear and lion, um, for us, we should be 
triggered by Daniel. And this is this is the kind of imagery that God uses in Daniel to describe the governments of the world. Well, and isn't this the isn't this what what Paul says Romans what thirteen um, that the the government has the uh, the authority to carry the sword. And that's the the major one because we have descriptions of this beast having authority given to it by by something by the by the fact that it exists. And we were saying, well, because it's from the created order, from the sea, then therefore it is from God who created the sea. Uh, this uh, being has authority. The devil also gives it some authority as well. So we think of uh, the devil's per- work of persuasion, or he's he's aligning himself with with it. He's going to use it for his purposes. Not to say that we can blame. Like you were saying before, that, that we're going to blame the devil for everything, but it's just that the devil looks at something and says, "This is this. I like this. I'm going to use this. Um, I'm going to try to enhance this and try to make it uh, better, or not make it better, but I'm going to use this uh, for my purposes and my ends." Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the things that you know, um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Um, and so, you know, uh, situations make weird bedfellows <laughs> and, and you see that here in, in Revelation, you have a beast that comes out that's being led by the sinful nature and its desire is to, it, it, its desire is to see its own power rise and its desire is to see its own desires, um, being done. And, and the same thing that, that was a temptation thrown at Christ and he defeated in the wilderness when, when, uh, Satan brought him up on the high mountain and he showed him in a blink of an eye all of the kingdoms of the world and he said, I will give these to you if you just bow down and worship me is the very thing that this beast of the sea fell to. Right? It's the very thing that, that authority, the authority given to, to the kingdoms of the world is never enough. You know, the, it's never enough that, that you would rule one nation. It's, all nations have to be ruled and and have to be conquered, and all people are to worship that government. And here, I think it's a cautionary tale for Americans living in uh, America, uh, Christians America. living in America. America, America, yeah, that America, the mentality of uh, look at us, uh, look at this government that we founded, and uh, we and, did it better. Yeah, we we did it better than the rest yeah. of the world. So it, that's the tension that we have to deal with with our own sinful nature or our own inclination to worship something that's created rather than the creator, uh, to worship something that God has put in place or God has allowed to happen and say, oh, we've got, this is, this is what, and how can America, and I'm just going to take a stop. How can Americans worship a government? Uh, you might think, well, the other side always does that. Whatever the other side is, that they're worshiping the government. Whether they're they're worshiping uh, the founding fathers, or whether they're worshiping as if the government's going to save us from all of our problems with uh, universal health care. Both sides can see the other side and say the other side is worshiping the government. And I think, in my own, this is my own personal opinion. You can push back on this, but just the the amount of time that we spend focusing on government affairs, like we we are called as a vocation as citizen to this country, but we sometimes take that too far. Like this is all my energy is being poured into punditry and, and listening and watching the news. And none of my energy is turned into sharing Jesus with my neighbor or um, serving my Lord and serving my neighbor in the other vocation that I have as well, Christian. And I, and, and here's a, here's, and I'm not going to push back because I agree with you a hundred percent, but I'm going to add to that and say that, that, that you end up worshiping the government when you all of a sudden think, the government did this or the government did that or the government and now it's affected my life as if my life is now over because right yeah, somebody got elected someone or somebody got elected or or they made a law that's now going to take away my bank account um wh- where's your trust 
I mean, is there trust in those people who, who, you know, you think are, are have the power to do this or is there trust in the one who, who promised I will continue to give you your daily bread? There, there, there's that promise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, then ringing true in that same promise are the very words that, that, um, are given to John to share, right? Which is, there may come a time when, um, you were destined to be imprisoned and, and it's going to happen. Yeah. And there's a time. endurance and confidence. Yeah. And there's, there may be a time where you were destined to, to be the martyr and fall by the sword and that'll come too. And we're looking at, I don't want to do that. I would like to die in my sleep. And that may be. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, John did. Yeah. That, that may happen. He falls, they die in his sleep. Well, I don't know if he died in his sleep, but, but I mean, he did not die by the sword. He didn't sure. die by, by, but you know, it didn't happen for Paul. Yeah. And, and it didn't happen for Peter. Um, and it might not happen for you. Um, yeah. So the government, just summarizing our thoughts, the government can wage war against Christianity, and Christianity can sometimes be led astray by that government by worshiping that. Uh, can we uh, talk? Government. Can we talk about the Book of Life? No, we didn't talk about the Book of Life because I'm getting to the fatal wound. I'm sorry. Can I get to the fatal wound and then we can talk Fine. about the Book of Life? <laughs> but uh, the idea of the government oppressing Christianity and then the fatal wound happens, where that's where the illustration that I was uh, using before with Constantine, where Christianity right before Constantine was a uh, Roman emperor called Diocletian, who who did a ton of. Uh, persecution against the Church of God, and it seemed like the Church was going to get wiped out, and then all of a sudden Constantine comes in and makes Christianity the legal religion of the Roman Empire. And to a certain extent, that wasn't the best thing for the Church, looking back on it, but <laughs> it did spare the Church from being completely annihilated. So you think of the, the the fatal wound where the government for a long time was against Christianity and then for a time was not. Uh, against Christianity, but then it comes back. So that's the, the, that's where I see the fatal wound. We can think of that time of the Reformation where it seemed like the, the government was going to oppress the Lutherans and then all of a sudden, boom, it was, it, yeah. was, it was, there was a, a time backwards. So we can't identify a particular moment where that fatal wound happened, but just the idea of the government is strong and it's oppressive and it has the sword. It's going to use it against Christians in an unjust way, but it won't always win. Yeah, there will I, be I think time when I, I think maybe will be able to fight back or not fight back, but uh, um, persevere. Yeah, persevere and push it back. I, I think I think what we before not we go through to, our force, yeah. but through the work of God. Yeah. Before we go too too far into that one, I <laughs> not that that was a very good example, uh, but before we go too too far into that, I think we just want to take a step back and say, um, you know, the fatal wound of government is is that every government falls, um, and so. You know, communism fell, Rome fell, Holy Roman Empire fell, um, communist China hasn't fallen yet. <laughs> um, but every government falls. And what, what, what sustains, what preserves the church? Yeah. The church, the church remains. That's another take on the fatal ruin. So it, we don't, we aren't given a, a really good. I'm not saying yours example was bad yeah. because it was an example of that. Yeah. But what right. I'm saying is, is that really the takeaway is every government you're, you're broader than than what I was. Yeah, going. yeah. You were specific. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. It's a, it's I, it's a fair point, isn't it? Just the it, idea. No, of right. Christianity or governments think uh, they're going to last forever, and that this is we're going to get just get bigger and bigger and stronger, and everyone's going to look at us yeah. and say, "Look at the government. The government's going to provide all these forever? things for us." Yeah. The book of life. The book of life. 
<laughs> the book of life lasts forever. Oh, you mean my the the annual reports that we we we. No, uh, I was meaning every I was, year that the membership roster that, that I, was that what I, I was uh, meaning. The membership roster of 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 making sure that you are either a member of Shirley Emanuel <laughs> Shirley or Saint John Maribel. If you are a member of of a Wells Church and your name is written, I'm sorry, not just Wells. Sarcasm, yes. But but I think sometimes we think right. We've gotten it in our head that the Book of Life is that membership. As long as my membership stays on the role of the church, whether I'm there or not. Um, I must be written in the book of life. No, the book of life is, is written in the blood of Christ. Um, so are you receiving uh, the body and blood of Christ? Are you growing in the body and blood of Christ? Um, have you been, have you been redeemed by the blood of Christ, um, placed into his death and into his resurrection through the waters of baptism? If so, your name is written in the blood of Christ in that book. Um, I love how the books are opened in the in the pages of Daniel, right? He the the court is assembled, the books are open. That of of life, where all is paid in Christ and 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 His blood, and the book of the deeds of those who have not done enough and will never make it. Um, there's there's the two books, and and if you notice that the beautiful comfort that is given, um, everyone in the nations will worship that which is false, except those. Whose name is written in the book of life? What what keeps their name there? Right. What what keeps their name there? The preservation of the Lord in service to them through the means of grace. That's my interpretation. I mean, it's clearly there because I'm not they disagreeing belong, with they you. belong to the Lamb that was slain, and He keeps serving them right through His Word and through His sacraments. He's nice that way. He is nice that way. It's beautiful. It's and it's beautiful. It g- gives us confidence and patient endurance that the the Lord that loves us and saved us is not going to stop taking care of us. Yeah, and it also gives you his means of grace. It, it gives you wonderful joy that wherever God's means of grace are, wherever the Word is, wherever the sacrament is, and it's given in its its fullness. God's church is there, and people who are whose name is written in the Book of Life are there, drinking good coffee. Drinking good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for the second beast. And the beast of the earth and the beast of the sea and the dragon make three. I'm, I'm making a... That was a very good rhyme. The beast of the earth. Uh, uh, chapter 12, beginning at... Chapter 13, beginning at verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming out, out of the earth. He had two horns like the lamb. And he spoke like the dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast on his behalf. He causes the earth and those who make their home on it to worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. He performs great miracles, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in the sight of people. He also deceives those who make their home on the earth because of the miracles that he has performed. He has permitted to perform on behalf of the beast, telling those who make their home on the earth to t- make an image for the beast who had been wounded by the sword but lived. This beast was also given the authority to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast spoke and caused whoever did not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He also makes all people, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads in order that no one may buy or sell unless he has the mark, the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Here is a, a wis- Here is wisdom. Let the one who... Has understanding, calculate the number of the beast because it is the number of a man. His number is six, six, six. Yeah. So, you know, 
I know we're gonna we 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 want to talk the the controversial moment. This is uh, this is a fair warning to all who are listening. This is the controversial moment of our podcast. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about the Antichrist, and um, I, I cannot remove myself from seeing in here the the very truth of um, the very truth of of what the papacy did. During the the time of the Holy Roman Empire, during the Middle Ages, things like that, where where you know they controlled the government, right? They they raised princes to kings. They sanctioned what the the government would do, and the government worked through the papacy um, to enact rule over the people. In fact, during the Middle Ages, especially, you had this this um, flavor and idea of. Um, Really, the, the the church wasn't a place of grace. It was a place of law, and it, and it was in place of the government in many ways. Um, you know, I, I think about I, I just think about some of the older practices that used to be there, um, where where baptisms, right? When when a child was baptized, that was uh, that was citizen citizen registry. <laughs> um, there was a time in history where where that such uh, that thing happened um so i mean we're gonna dive more into this you got a whole slide i got yeah you just like just leaped over i didn't leap over anything i'm you giving just said, you an you opportunity look at the effect of the antichrist you, and now we're going to look at why we say the office of the papacy is the antichrist and doing so i'm going to have to put some slides up there and um passages in the bible clear passages that tell us about and describe the Antichrist. Well, let's go through those and then get some um, characteristics of the Antichrist from those Bible passages first before we um, do what you just did, just said, well, the papacy is the Antichrist. So first of all, let's look at First John chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. Uh, this is from the NIV translation where it says, Dear children, this is the last... Uh, let's see, why didn't it... There we go. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not readily really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. So uh, a couple of characteristics of the Antichrist in First John chapter 2 is that the Antichrist is in the midst of the Christian church. So comes this out is, of it. Yeah, it comes out of the church, but he's yeah. in the midst of it. So the, this concept of when we say that the papacy of the Antichrist, we are in no way saying that the Roman Catholic, uh, people who are Roman Catholic are... Uh, the Antichrist, or that they're going all going to hell. We're, we are essentially saying that the Roman Catholic Church is the Christian church, that in the midst of this, coming out of this Christian church, is uh, this Antichrist. I, can, I, can I just say one thing as well? Because I think some people have thought that Lutherans have said the Pope is the Antichrist. And I don't know of any Lutheran that would say that every single Pope was not Christian. Um, and and I think we want to be very very clear when we say it, it is the papacy, the office, yeah, the office, the uh, position, the, yeah. the position itself. Um, and so anyway, we're fast forwarding. But uh, the another characteristic of the Antichrist that you see in First John 
is that he denies that Jesus is the Christ. And you say, how can the office of the papacy deny that Jesus is the Christ? In that, and it's for Lutherans, we would say, well, is Jesus the Savior, the true Savior in the Roman Catholic Church in their teachings? Again, their teachings, not necessarily what they believe, because God's people could be in the midst of that church because they're hearing the word of God, they're receiving the sacraments. Um, but what is in their teaching that denies that Jesus is the true Savior? And that is the whole idea of justification being a process that you participate in by receiving the, the means of grace rather than something that God has declared to you because of what Jesus has done. Well, and also also the very fact that the papacy itself can dole it out. Yes, <clears throat> which is your which is the next point, which is what the Antichrist isn't anti in that he's against Christ, which is usually what our cultural Christianity would say, but anti is someone in the place of right. Christ, where where the, the Roman, the, the office of the papacy is able to determine who gets to go to heaven and who, who, who can't. Uh, examples of that is the treasury of merits, where the, the, the Roman Catholic Church has this position that it says that when if someone is so good that they have uh, good works that are more than what they need in order to get to heaven, then the church has this as like a bank that they can dole out to you uh, by uh, however it wants. And, uh, that's again, that's putting itself in the place of Christ and saying, we, we can determine who goes to heaven and who doesn't go to heaven, um, instead of Jesus doing yeah, that. Yeah. Isn't, isn't there a saying, ex opera operatu, um, in the, in, in the act of someone else doing the work is performed? Something along those lines, um, which was, which was, um, I know it was equated when, when Luther said, um, for communion and their mishandling of communion that by the act of the, the priest doing the work of communion, um, that the people received the benefits of it because they did it. <clears throat> and he's like, mm, no. <laughs> um, all right. So another Bible passage would be John four verse first John four verse three. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is even now is already in the world. So this is another characteristic of the Antichrist is that he's already here when John is writing uh, to his letter. So this gives us uh, uh, a clue that the, it isn't a human being, but rather something bigger than a human being, like an institution. Uh, because the Antichrist was already was already kind of at work in the time of John when he's writing this letter, um, and and then in in um, and we'll read a Bible passage where the Antichrist isn't uh, taken care of until the end of time. First John, uh, John, John uh, maybe this might be Second John, Second John or Third John, uh, whichever one doesn't have chapters in it. Uh, verse 7 says, Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is a deceiver and the, the Antichrist. So just this another Bible passage that says essentially what we were talking about before, that denies Jesus as the Christ. May not deny Jesus or may even use the name of Jesus, but is denying that Jesus alone is the reason why people are going to heaven. It wants to get into that place, get into that spot and say, no, it's us, the church. Uh, we're the ones that get, get to tell you whether you're going to heaven or not. Uh, another, uh, uh, the last one I wanted to look at is in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Here the Apostle Paul uses a description of the Antichrist, but he uses a different term than John does. He uses the term of the man of lawlessness. Um, and listen here in chapter 2, verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become 
easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter reported to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't be, don't let anyone deceive you in this way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and will destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned will not who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. The details that Paul reveals to us about the Antichrist that John has not revealed to us in that is the um, the Antichrist is going to last until the end of time, until Jesus overthrows them. Uh, another at- attribute of the Antichrist is that he is setting himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Uh, so it's in the midst of God's people, in the midst of the Christian church, is this Antichrist. Uh, and the final point is the signs and wonders that accompany uh, the Antichrist. And, what, uh, and these signs of wonders are used uh, to um, lead God's people away. So if you want to summarize all of these characteristics of the Antichrist, he is in the Christian church. He denies Jesus is the Savior. He's going to be active until the end of, of the world, so he's active even there in the early church and will be active until the end of time. He sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. He is able to do or is responsible for miraculous signs and wonders. So as you look at those characteristics uh, and uh, and how and we look at the history of the world, we see that the office of the papacy is the Antichrist. That is the position of the Pope, not a particular person that is elected Pope. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the things that we <clears throat> you want to be very careful um, because I think it's very very easy um, for us to. Start casting stones and, and to start saying to, to others, you know, uh, and, and be carried away. It's the papacy. It's the papacy. It's the papacy. Or as some Lutheran church have started to do, um, and I've heard it more and more is, is for them to say, it's not the papacy at all. Um, but it's these other people who are setting themselves up in this way or doing these things. Um, I, I'm not going to stand and say yes or no. This is right. This is wrong. Other than to say, with the Lutheran Church and with with what what um, we have before us, it seems pretty clear this is the things that are happening. Um, and and uh, until something else clearer comes along, you know, I'm going to stand here and and say this is the beast that has come from the earth. Um, this is this is the beast that is is what we have to contend with. Um, and and again, this is not a beast that was created by Satan. This is one that that rose from men from from the sinful nature. So the question that was asked as we're listening is, what is the current Antichrist? We would still say it's the office of the papacy. I I, I like how you're trying to say, well, it could be something else, but just 
if you look at those five characteristics, what has been around that long right. that has all five of those things? And until something changes, that's why we yeah, say what we say. The, it, I don't think... I really don't think that there'll be anything that changes because they have all five of those characteristics. He's in the midst of the church. He's sitting up there. He's proclaiming the the Pope. When the Pope speaks ex cathedra, according to their doctrine, when he speaks, not, you know, all his uh, offhand sayings or maybe even some of his writings, but he has the authority. He claims, according to their teaching, that when he sits and he makes that statement, it's as if Christ were speaking. And there is no entity in the world that has done that before. Well, there's no entity that has all the other ones. Right. So, so example, you have the signs and wonders of the papacy. We think of the signs and wonders that need to happen in order for a person to be a saint, which would back up the 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 office of the papacy's claim that it has the authority to dole out uh, um, the treasury of merits because you get right. that from these saints who are so good that their their goodness is more than they, what yeah. they need. I'm not denying. I'm not. Den- I'm not fighting with you and saying that it's not. I'm just saying that until the end of time, we can only stand back with the rest of Christendom and say we can only see so far as what we've seen. Because <laughs> I, 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 I'm you know unless God ends the world tomorrow, I, I don't know. Um, but but it does. I stand with you, and I stand with with the the confessions that say, no, this is this is what we're seeing, and and we're seeing these tendencies. We saw these tendencies within the church um, before it was released, and and they were able to take that kind of power, um, and so you see it being preserved. You know, you might even say Rome held it back because Rome did not tolerate Christendom, and then when Rome fell, you really have the you have the beginning of the Holy Roman Empire, right? Um, where the, the, the Roman Church just started right into this void and, and started to grow. Um, you know, at that, during the time of, of John, in fact, even if you go into the book of Romans, it's, it's the, 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 the Roman Church, the church in Rome, we have no idea where it was started. But we have two letters that are sent to them to correct behavior and to give them instruction. We have the letter to the Romans, and we have First and Second Peter um, that are, are written to them that that really give this highlight of we have no idea how they got there, but there's things there that yeah. that are warned against, and that they that the the apostles come and say we're trying to give you some good teaching, and, and then it's like they're one of many in a, in a in a conglomerate, and then all of a sudden after. The fall of Rome, they're they're the one, right? They 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 present themselves as as this thing. And throughout history, the Antichrist has combined its efforts with the government, and so that's another indication. Like, where do we see the church throughout? You know, from the time of of John to the time of the early Christian church to now, where do we see uh, the Christian church intertwined so much with government affairs? Like you say, like it's uh, when the when Rome fell and you've got the, the the church marching right into that void of power and how in the medieval times how the church used that power um, and uh, influenced what was going on. Time of Luther, the perfect example, the, 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 the papacy putting pressure on Emperor Charles V to um, declare Jesus an outlaw. Why is the church being so intertwined with the government like that? Well, because they're allies, because they are oppressing the true church of God uh, throughout history. Um, 
and trying to lead people away from Christ, which is the point. This is all the villains leading people away from Christ as your Savior alone to themselves, um, <laughs> to themselves again, <laughs> and to themselves again. So we have a we have a, um, maybe a question or a comment that yeah to I was um, just someone was just commenting on and I think it's a reflection of the, our society looking at the Antichrist as something that's coming up sure you know I and and uh, we're we're saturated by people who like to look at the Book of Revelation and you mentioned this in the introduction to the Book of Revelation is how people are saying well what is your take on the Book of Revelation like you believe in Jesus great what's your take on the Revelation where the Book of Revelation now becomes this uh, key or code that's going to decipher what's going to happen in the in the in the present and the future just looking at uh, technology yeah um, and what? saying maybe the internet was a manifestation of this the mark of the beast because you can't. Uh, um, buy and sell things. Well, let me let me just uh, let's talk about that. Can we talk about the mark of the beast a little bit? And 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 so there's been a ton of conjecture about what the mark of the beast is. Um, and I, and I think the Book of Revelation, um, in John's insights by the Spirit and his vision that is given to him, kind of tells you what that that is. Um, and and I know I'm reading it. Um, so much good can come from the internet and so much evil. Yes. Here is my take on this. Um, Paul or, uh, John is very clear that the sign of the beast is, is, is really the people who are worshiping the dragon. They're worshiping the beast of the sea. They're worshiping the beast of the earth, right? They, that's the sign. You're falling into what they're selling. You're falling into what they're doing. You're falling into how they are conducting themselves. And if you're falling into that, then you're, do, you're, you're able to do business with them, right? You're able to do business with them because you are, you are selling what they're selling. You're dealing in what they're dealing with. And if you're not dealing in what they're dealing with, you're standing against it. You're, you're, you're barred from it. I, I, I don't think you want to paint this picture. I know some people have said it's microchips in your hands and something on your head. Let me just tell you this. Everyone who's baptized in Christ carries the sign of the cross, both upon their forehead and upon their heart. And no one will ever see it except for the Savior who put it there. That sign of the beast is the same. You put it on your your head because you're thinking like they're thinking. It's on your hand because you're doing what they're doing. That 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 seems to me like there's a clear connection. And and what are they doing? They're attempting to be God, and they're falling short. And so the the dragon attempted to be God and fell short, and so he's six and not seven. Mm-hmm. And the beast of the sea attempted to be God and fell short, and that's why it's six and not seven. And the beast of the the earth, the the antichrist, attempted to be God and fell short, and there's therefore it is six and not seven. And so you have this unholy trinity of three sixes <laughs> that are, <laughs> which that is are what John pre- wrote. Yeah. So you have these three sixes that are now presented to you that that they're trying to be, they're trying to be God, they're trying to be the Trinity, and they are not the Trinity, and they're trying to get people to do what they do and think the way they think. And, and there are going to be people who won't do what they do and think the way they think. And it'll be a clear sign. And I think you see some of that today, right? You, you, you see 
churches and even government um, standing against the, the the Christian and say, "You do what we do, otherwise we're going to try to shut you down." Right? We're going to mm-hmm. shut you out of the political square, the political conversation. Um, if you are um, a craft shop <laughs> that wants to have Christian values and you don't want to support killing children in the womb. We're going to try to shut you down, right? Um, so maybe you can see some of this happening. I'm not saying that you're not going to see some of this happening, um, but but to say it's just this or just that, or I'm I'm looking for this very definitive, clear thing. No, this is this is the modus operandi. This is the 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 way that the dragon and the and the two beasts work throughout all time. Yeah, and I, I like this. Our thoughts, because I'm validating myself, but I like your thoughts too. They're very <laughs> good. Just the idea of <laughs> it, it pulls us away from the cultural Christianity that likes to look at these beasts and the dragon as if this is something in, in ahead of us. This is something to watch out for. Um, this is going to happen in the in the in the future, and I don't have to worry. Why, why I have to fight somehow now? Where you're deceiving yourself and saying, "Well, I have to elect this person. I have to do." Do this, and the government's going to come in, and but we got to fight off against the government. Where you've just went right into their trap of worshiping the government. You've gone right into the trap of leading yourself away from Christ to um, you, basically, essentially. You got to you got to fix it. And um, looking at these three, the unholy trinity reminds us of these are the major villains of history of the story of the story, and they're there because. Um, of of sin, they're there because the devil has rebelled against God. Uh, yeah. They're not ordained by God. It is just uh, and had... and you want to know something? Go ahead. There is a time in history where the unholy Trinity thought they won. You had you had the devil standing against Christ. You had the religion, the religious leaders of the day standing against Christ. You had the government standing against Christ. And you had the greatest catastrophe. Christ is victorious. And he gives his sign upon those who are his. And he places his blood upon them. And he preserves them. And he watches over them. And he keeps them ever in his care. And you may feel you're in the wilderness for a time, but you're being fed. And you may think that you're lost for a time, but you're being given wings to fly out of the dangers. And the dragon still pursues you, and the beasts still chew at your ankles, and the time will come. You may be imprisoned. The time will come. You may die by the sword. But the time will also come that you'll be in glory for everlasting, because you bear the sign of the cross.